Welcome to These Are My People, a podcast about finding, engaging, and keeping your audience. We sit down with filmmakers, artists, and creative entrepreneurs of all stripes to discuss the tips, tricks, and strategies they've learned on the road to building a sustainable fan base. These Are My People is produced by Smart House Creative, a marketing, publicity, and strategy agency that specializes in arts and creative projects. Welcome to the These Are My People podcast. I am your host, Leroy Mack, and I am really excited about what we're going to be talking about today. It is a very unique, very interesting project called The Choice, a dystopian podcast. And on the phone with me, I have Misty Eddy, Nick Escobar, and Molly Silverstein. Molly, did I pronounce your last name right? You can pronounce it any way you want. There literally is no correct way. Really? There's no Let's correct go. Silverstein, so I've been saying your name like half right. Well, it, the only way is half right. We just busted matter. your take, Leroy. <laughs> no, you. Th- I love that you think that I won't keep that in there. <laughs> because part of the These Are My People podcast, now that now that Leroy's, you know, Leroy's taken the reins, is that you want to be engaging, and part of being engaging is being fun. So that's going to stay in there. Right? <laughs> Leave uh, it in. Okay, so Misty, Nick, Molly, if you guys could just introduce yourselves, introduce the project, and talk a little bit about what you're doing as far as your roles in the project. My name is Misty Eddy, and I'm the writer and director of The Choice Podcast. I'm Molly Silverstein, or Silverstein, whichever you prefer. (laughs) I'm a producer of The Choice Podcast. And I'm Nick Escobar. I'm also one of the producers. Okay, so this project is... A very unique project. It's something I haven't seen before. As somebody who grew up listening to radio dramas, and my mother introduced me to uh, the the Shadow. Yes. Um, yes. 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 Oh who my knows? God, yes. yes. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of yes. men? Oh shadow. my God, that's amazing. Yes, yeah. she grew up listening to it, and I fell in love with it. And so, Miss, when you told me you love live radio dramas, I was like, Oh yeah, this is reason eight hundred and twenty that we were going to be friends. <laughs> It's interesting that you mentioned The Shadow. When I was a kid, uh, I grew up without TV or movies. I didn't even step foot in a movie theater until my early 20s, which is crazy. But, wow. Uh, I know, right? Wait, 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 wait. Uh, Just to confirm, a filmmaker did not step into a movie theater yeah. until she was in her early 20s. It's true. It's true. I directed my first play when I was 13, but yeah, I've always been writing directing, but it, I never stepped foot into a theater until I was in my early 20s. So yeah. But when I was a kid, as a reward for doing well in school, my mom would buy radio classics, like you mentioned, The Shadow and Jack Benny or um, Orson Welles' War of the Worlds. Oh, yeah. And I was obsessed with them. And I listened to them every single day. And as an adult, that's sort of... Um, I think that's one of the reasons that I really love podcasts. Uh, I, I like the idea of closing my eyes and experiencing an entire universe just with sound. It's really exciting to me. So the project that you guys are working on is called The Choice, a dystopian podcast. And it's a six episode audio drama set in a refugee camps of Los Angeles. One of the things that caught me about this project was Dr. Margaret Carter, who is, in your own words, a pro-life physician uh-huh. going undercover to bust this abortion clinic. And then you tell us right after that, she's on trial facing the death penalty. There's obviously a story there. One of the reasons I wanted to bring you guys on is because These Are My People podcast is about growing and engaging one's audience. And you guys, as of this recording, are 
less than a week into your Kickstarter campaign. Isn't that right? Yep, that's true. Now, your Kickstarter campaign had a good thrust. I mean, you guys started out with a goal of 7500 and how many days has it been? Four. And where are you guys currently at? Uh, we are at $3,441, almost halfway there, and 44 backers, and that's in four days. Nice. Now, not only did you guys have a nice, good, solid start, but Kickstarter noticed you guys. Kickstarter themselves. Yeah, it's true. We were chosen as a, one of the projects that they love. And right now, at least today, if you go on their website, we're at the top of the page. So we're very excited about that. Nice, nice. And again, like I said, I think it's because of how unique and how engaging and how awesome this project is. And before we go on, we have to address the elephant in the room. This does kind of have a handsmade tale feel to it. Do you guys want to talk about that and how maybe that may have influenced it or how people could immediately make that uh, make that connection? Definitely. Um, I, when I think of this project, um, I think of it as Children of Men meets Handmaid's Tale. I would say it's actually closer in tone to Children of Men. Um, but it's interesting to me that everyone keeps referencing Handmaid's Tale. And I think one of the reasons is because there are not a lot of shows, um, TV shows, movies, podcasts that address women's reproductive rights and the sanctity of a woman's body. And so I think one of the reasons people reference that show uh, is because it's the only other show that's talking about this. And we want to change that. Now, Nick, Molly, how did you guys come on board? Misty is actually friends with uh, our my business partner who I have a production company with. And she was talking to him about looking for someone to help produce. And he recommended me. So we got coffee and kind of clicked. And I got to read the pilot and was really impressed by the script and the tone of it and the subject matter and decided I wanted to help. Um, I believe a lot in trying to get more diverse vo voices out there. I am Mexican-American. So meeting a woman who was telling a woman's story, I wanted to support that. I wanted to help. I want that story to be out there. So that's why I got involved. Um, and Misty and I have worked together before. Um, we both did some work for the Portland Film Festival. And um, we had a podcast a couple years ago that I was the host of and she produced uh, called the Portland Film Podcast, where we interviewed people in the film industry around Portland. Um, so I loved working with Misty on that project. And so when she told me she was working on this project, I just just kept reminding her that basically anything she wanted me to do, I would do. <laughs> so I could be involved because Misty is my favorite person to work with um so when she asked me to come on as a producer i enthusiastically and immediately said yes um and it's been wonderful and it's been amazing working with nick too so along with writer director we've got producers you guys also decided to bring an illustrator on board why did you decide to bring an illustrator on board and what are some of the things that we might see along with hearing yeah i mean i think for all of us you know, we've worked in film before and we, we do love audio and podcasts and the radio medium. Um, but we knew that convincing people to kind of be a part of the Kickstarter or get their heads around this, that people that don't think kind of the way we do about sound would need some sort of like visual element. And it's also a good way for us to help coalesce what we're all kind of talking about and, you know, the tone and the feel. So we hired a, an illustrator based out of Seattle. Is that correct? Uh, no, he's from Eastern Europe. Actually. Oh, I thought he was from Eastern Europe, but living in Seattle. Whatever, he's in Eastern Europe. Uh, but his, <laughs> name is, his name is David Jajorski, I believe, um, and who, who's done some really fantastic pieces for us that you know take American cities and 
push them into the future and show what that di- what what it would look like after this mass casualty event and kind of the fallout of that. And it's been really helpful for us to put that in front of people so people can see and kind of you know visually like oh I get it now I see what you got the tone you guys are kind of going for I can I can put myself there and then the audio is the the real thing that kind of sells the rest of it. Yes, yeah, no, I completely agree because when you go to the Kickstarter the um, you guys do have a video and that video does consist of some audio that I'm assuming is from the podcast uh, from the podcast itself so maybe one of the recordings and uh, a great 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 picture a great painting I don't even it, it really does kind of capture the mood and it really and I told Misty earlier it reminded me of some of the motion comics that mm. I've been seeing pop up probably in the last couple of years and it really did engage me and I was like oh man that's a great idea I hope they end up using a little bit more than that mm-hmm. that's the hope we'll see what's ha- what happens next but uh, that's the hope that we get to to use more of his work to supplement the story yeah so your voice cast how did you end up with the voice cast that you had what was that process like Oh, well, uh, <laughs> I'm looking at Nick right now because uh, this is before Molly came on board. It was just Nick and myself. And we actually saw over 600 submissions to the project. Oh, um, 600? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we didn't audition all of them, but we went through a lot of samples that were sent our way and um, narrowed it down to three actors out of Los Angeles who are incredibly talented. So we're really excited. And so these three actors are Lena Green, Will DeMille, and Panther Rose? Yep, that's right. Oh, nice. Oh, well, we're looking forward to maybe talking to them someday as well. Yeah, I bet they'd love that. Okay, so now, because These Are My People is about growing and engaging your audience, and you guys are in the middle of a, of a Kickstarter campaign, I was really excited to sit down with people who are literally in the middle of of doing what this podcast is ostensibly about Mm -hmm. so could you guys go ahead and talk to talk to me talk to the audience about your experience deciding to use kickstarter as opposed to something else because there's plenty of crowdfunding sources out there but deciding to use kickstarter just the entire process of coming up with the campaign and everything leading up to it and now that you're in the middle of it some of the lessons that you learn that you may not have known before Yeah, uh, well, the one thing that I can say is this Kickstarter campaign has definitely been a group effort. The three of us have collaborated on everything from the teaser to the the choices of rewards that we would offer. One of the things that we, we did was we started with research, and I chose Kickstarter because it seemed to be more podcast friendly than, say, a Seed and Spark. So it was really just because this is a podcast instead of a film that we chose Kickstarter. I felt like it was a better fit. And... I asked Molly to come on board just as we were preparing for the Kickstarter campaign, and she's been amazing. Molly, do you want to speak to the process? Um, well, it's definitely there's definitely been a little bit of a learning curve. Uh, I've never run a Kickstarter before. One thing that I think that we have all taken away from this is that you really need a lot of time to plan for a Kickstarter campaign, and I think that that's time that we didn't really realize was needed until we started diving into it and planning to launch, and then we recognized, actually, maybe we should um, take a little bit longer, because there's so much preparation, and there's, um, you know, you want to make sure that the campaign is interesting throughout, and so there's just a lot of work that goes into getting everything ready and making sure that people are going to be ready when the campaign launches. 
Um, so we're, we're learning a lot and we're only four days in. So there's a lot ahead that we're going to still be figuring out. Yeah. Um, one of the things that uh, I, one of the mistakes that I made, uh, looking back is I did not budget enough time for the Kickstarter campaign. When I looked at the year and, and how long it would take to produce this project, I didn't understand how much time it would take for this project, uh, to be funded. Uh, and somebody who's done this before us, his name is Josh Lee. He's working on a Chuck Polinick project, Lullaby. He told us that we actually need 90 days. And he is absolutely right about that. And the biggest reason I think is because you have to create a lot of content. There's a lot of photographs, there's a lot of videos, and there's a lot of you know, like updates and things that you have to write. There's all kinds of social media posts that you want to prepare in advance. So yeah, it's been a huge learning curve, but it's also been fun. Nick, do you have anything to add to that? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say it has been way more fun than I anticipated. I was a little stressed out before it started. And as, as it's been going on, I've really been enjoying the process and I've been checking Kickstarter obsessively as well. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the credit go, does go to Molly. Yes. She, she did a lot, a lot of research and came, you know, would come to us during our production meetings with like binders and be like, I read all of this. <laughs> Here's what I think we should do. And we would just be like, okay. Um, which has been super helpful because it is something that I may, Molly, maybe you can elaborate, but there's a, you know, there's some blogs and stuff of like how to run a successful Kickstarter campaign, but not a lot of them are podcast tinged. So you have to take what you find and then adapt it to fit your project, which I think can be a little challenging. You know, it's like if you're trying to get some sort of biodegradable spoon created or something like that, that's a little different. You know, that's way different than trying to be like, Give us money to make this very personal art project that we want to tell. Um, so that's that's kind of been a challenge. Yeah, for sure. But it's also been really fun, I think. It's been a fun creative process because there aren't as many examples of this on Kickstarter. We've been able to sort of all meet and say, how do, how do we want to talk about this? How do we want to talk about something that's so unusual? So that's been really cool. And so along with preparing your social media, being sure you have enough time, doing research everything from picking the right platform to start your crowdfunding campaign, what are some of the other things that you guys came up with or ran into rather that made you say, whoa, I never expected that. That was something I didn't know because anyone who's been on a set and you guys have all been on sets, you always learn more from a bad shoot than a good one. Yeah, that's true. So what are some of the mistakes that you guys may have made that other people can learn from? I don't know if this is a mistake. I would say it's something that would have been a mistake if I hadn't done it. Um, <laughs> humble brag. <laughs> um, the biggest piece of advice I would say is make sure that you don't do this alone. Have a team, have people like Molly who will bring binders of information to help support. Um, especially if, if you're the creative force behind a project, you really need to protect that energy. So if you have people around you who are competent and and motivated and um, they, they can really help. Uh, so for me, the biggest, I think the best thing that I've done so far with the Kickstarter campaign was just asking Molly to help. <laughs> um, I, I have one little, this is, this is very, very functional, um, but when you're doing a Kickstarter, when everything is all filled out, you press a button that says send for review and then something comes up that says your project will be ready in the, in the next three days. Um, so we fortunately got approved 
really quickly, but I didn't realize that was going to happen. So I thought that I was going to have to delay the launch by several days because I hadn't pressed that button a few days sooner. Um, so just making sure that everything, everything is locked in. Um, so you have that little bit of extra time will definitely save other people from the stress that I experienced. Uh, yeah, I think one of the things that <clears throat> we learned was we, we came up to a point where we showed the promotional video to someone and they had really good feedback and it was nice to kind of get an outside opinion on something we had been so close to when we were like, oh, this seems fine and that person was like, actually, maybe you change this and this would, would help. So I would say that it, it's real easy to get stuck in the weeds when you're doing this and to be like, okay, it's ready and put it out there but there could be something drastic that you're missing just because you're so close to it. So getting that outside opinion was very helpful. So you guys are in the middle of your campaign and you're about a third of the way through and what are some of the things that you guys are currently doing to kind of keep keep the momentum going, engaging with your audience, trying to grow it, trying to get more people interested? Um, well, some of the thing, one of the things that we're thinking about doing or that we're planning on doing rather um, is having some motivating rewards for people to kind of keep the energy up because we've done really well in the first few days, but there, there's still a long way to go and there's a fair amount of time left. So just making sure that we have interesting, interesting videos and interesting information for people that have backed the project and fun extra things for people that are thinking about backing the project. And we're hoping that that'll keep the energy up. Do you have a new project or product that needs more visibility? We're offering a special discount for our podcast listeners to receive 10% off your first engagement with SmartHouse. Just visit smarthousecreative.com slash connect and mention promo code TAMP10, that's T-A-M-P-10, in the subject line of the contact form and we'll be in touch to learn more about you and your project. So... By the time that people are listening to this podcast, you guys are going to have about three weeks left in your campaign. Your campaign ends June 22nd, 2018. Your Kickstarter was successful. Now what? Uh, after the Kickstarter campaign, um, we move right into pre-production. Basically, uh, June is cut out for the Kickstarter campaign, rewrites and table reads. And in July, I'm going to start looking at locations with my producers and our sound designer. And uh, in August, we go right into production. And then I think on the you spoke of it a little bit earlier. On the branding side, it's about keeping that conversation with the people that are backing us going and then growing the social media presence from there. So we have a Twitter, we have an Instagram, we have a Facebook, we have a website. So it's about posting updates continuously to make sure people are still engaged and know that when this comes out in August, October, that they gave money to something months and months ago and they completely forgot what it was because we want to make that audience kind of be brand champions for us and you know start telling other people like, hey, I gave money to this. I'm super excited about it. You should listen to it. Go to their website. Follow their stuff. So one of the things you're going to try to do is try to keep, keep, in, keep your audience engaged during this entire process. Yes, that's the goal. Okay. All right. No, which I always think is great advice because I don't, I think as filmmakers, one of the things that we do is, you know, and I've done it. We've all done it. It's just, oh, hey, what's next? It's like, oh, hey, do you love that movie? I'm going to have another one in three years. Stay tuned. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, now, one of the things that you guys did do is you guys did come up with a media plan. So, as we start to kind of wrap things up, I wanted to discuss because that's really. These are my people is about engaging and growing your audience. But one of the things is artists is that 
we that business side we kind of lack sometimes so i just wanted to see briefly if molly nick you guys could kind of talk about some of the media plans that some of the unique things that you guys have come up with have seen through coming up with a media plan for this project and some advice that you might be able to give to other people when doing their project and coming up with their media plan sure everybody was looking at me so. <laughs> <laughs> um i by trade i'm a graphic designer and i'm in marketing um i you know i've been doing writing and creative things all my life but i've kind of fell into into that side of it. So I've learned a lot about how to sell brands and market brands. And this is essentially kind of the same thing. It's just doing it with a, you know, something that is good in the world instead of toothpaste or sneakers, essentially. So I think one of the things you have to kind of do is, is treat it that way. It's always kind of shitty for lack of a better word to take your artistic project and kind of try to put it out there and sell it like it is toothpaste or sneakers. But in this is the day and age, there's so much noise out there. That's kind of what you have to do. And you can do it really easily now with social media. You know, it doesn't cost more than 10 bucks to run an, a targeted ad promoting your thing in your town or, you know, in, in New York, LA, Chicago, Miami, wherever, you know, you think you're going to have a, a bigger impact. And there's so much data out there now, it's really easy to get access to, well, who's the type of person that is listening to our thing? Who do we think is gonna like this? And then being able to target them with like YouTube ads or Instagram stuff or uh, even like Google AdWords, which are just you know text ads that you see on the side of your browser and just trying to get those kind of things out there. The more eyeballs you can get on something, the better off you're gonna be. I, we're way past, as I've gotten into doing independent film, we're way past the thing of I'm just gonna make a thing take it to some festivals and hope it catches because it just doesn't work anymore. Like there's no, that paradigm is gone um, and you can't sell shorts anymore. So you have to kind of take what's available to you now and really leverage that. As of this recording, you, you guys have 26 days left in your campaign. By the time people listen to this, it's probably going to be about, mm, I'd say about 10, 10 to 12 less days. So please, anyone who's listening, please check out the choice a dystopian podcast on the kickstarter campaign and where can people find you on social media uh well you can first check out our website at thechoicepod.com you look up the choice podcast on twitter instagram and facebook and you'll find us i believe mm -hmm. well molly nick missy thank you guys so much for getting on the phone today it was really fun and i'm really excited for your project and i can't wait to see it and anyone who's listening please check out the choice it, it really is a great project yeah I, i'm telling you right now you're going to go on and you're going to click on the trailer and you're going to instantly want to support and this project and see where it's going awesome thank you leroy this was a lot of fun thank yeah, you yeah, so thank much you. this was wonderful all right. Well, that's it for These Are My People podcast. Thank you for listening and go check out The Choice. These Are My People is produced by Smart House Creative, a marketing, publicity, and strategy agency headquartered in Seattle, Washington.